Greetings, folks, to all of you who are listening out there. This is Deacon Bernie Nohadera with another contribution addition to our podcast with the Secretary of Child and Youth Protection, United States Conference of Catholic Bishops. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our prayer for healing victims of abuse. God of endless love, ever caring, ever strong, always present, always just. You gave your only son to save us by the blood of his cross. Gentle Jesus, shepherd of peace, join to your own suffering the pain of all who have been hurt in body, mind, and spirit by those who betrayed the trust placed in them. Hear the cries of our brothers and sisters who have been gravely harmed and the cries of those who love them. Soothe their restless hearts with hope. Steady their shaken spirits with faith. Grant them justice for their cause, enlightened by your truth. Holy Spirit, comforter of hearts, heal your people's wounds and transform brokenness into wholeness. Grant us the courage and wisdom, humility and grace to act with justice Breathe wisdom into our prayers and labors. Grant that all harmed by abuse may find peace in justice. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, our special guest for today is Most Reverend Michael F. Burbage. And Bishop Burbage, just as a brief uh, bio on him, attended St. Charles Borromeo Seminary and was ordained a priest to the Archdiocese of Philadelphia in 1984. Bishop Burbage holds a BA in philosophy and an MA in theology from St. Charles Borromeo, an MA in education administration from Villanova University and a doctorate in education from Immaculata College. In 1998, he was made honorary prelate to His Holiness St. Pope John Paul II with the title of Monsignor. Monsignor Burbage was appointed rector of St. Charles Borromeo Seminary in 1999, and in 2002, he was ordained an auxiliary bishop of Philadelphia. As auxiliary bishop, he oversaw the office of the Vicar for Clergy and the Office of Communications. Bishop Burbage was installed if the, fifth, the fifth bishop of the Diocese of Raleigh on August 4th, 2006. On October 4th, 2016, he was announced by Pope Francis as the fourth bishop of the Catholic Diocese of Arlington. He was installed on December 6th, 2016 at the Cathedral of St. Thomas More. I welcome you, Bishop Burbage, and uh, we get together as we talk about communications, the role of communications in child and youth protection. Welcome and thank you for coming on. Thank you so much, uh, Deacon Bernie. Lauren, great to be with you and your listeners today. Thanks, thanks for having me here. You mentioned me as the uh, being uh, the uh, as Bishop of Arlington, and today we uh, prayed uh, at Mass today for one of my predecessors, Bishop John Keating, who's the anniversary of his death is today. So yes. asking for prayers for Bishop Keating also. Yes, yes. So Bishop, I I thoroughly uh, enjoy hearing your invitations of healing and, and uh, reconciliation and coming home uh, on particular seasons, times of the years on the radio. And uh, uh, I'll hear this as I'm driving and listening to the traffic reports in the DCVA Maryland uh, corridors, if you will. 
you're very, very active on social media. You, you, you tend to reach out on a weekly basis uh, through your podcast. You know, your role in teaching and reaching and, and preaching and being good shepherd. Uh, what, what would you say would be the most fruitful thing that you found from this type of engagement with, with your lay faithful, with the people, and not necessarily just your faithful, I mean, anyone who could be listening to you? Yeah, thanks, uh, Deacon Bernie. Certainly, we had uh, such great role models and teachers in, in doing exactly what you said, uh, using all means possible, uh, all appropriate means possible uh, to teach the, the joy and truth of the gospel. Uh, certainly, uh, St. John Paul II uh, was the one who gave us that new evangelization term to uh, just, we have the truth, the truth's the same, but let's use new methods and, right. and, and ways of expressing it. Certainly Pope Benedict and, and now Pope Francis all do the same, but um, I, I, I agree. I think like the more we can allow our voice to uh, be given or heard by an extended audience, the better. So for example, the radio spots you mentioned, mm -hmm. uh, they are uh, written and spoken in a way that, that anyone driving at that moment uh, might be able to hear and to, to receive. Um, and so I, I think that it, it broadens our audience. I've been very, uh, very surprised by the reception of my parishioners, uh, the podcasts that I do, the Walk Humbly podcasts. Uh, I think what you hear the most is that people appreciate that the bishop is uh, addressing everyday issues in a timely manner. So a, a, a thing like a podcast uh, like we're doing here today, uh, you, you can decide when to do it. And, and, and if something, uh, an issue surfaces and it needs to uh, you know, be addressed, a, a podcast allows you to get your voice out in a timely way rather than merely just waiting to the next edition of the diocesan magazine or newspaper or, or whatever. And I think a podcast is exciting for me. Again, every bishop's different. Uh, but for me, a podcast fills a gap between an official statement or a press release or a tweet. And those things can be important at times. But sometimes you need a, a higher level response than a, a brief social media post. And not everything warrants an official statement. Um, from the office of the bishop. And uh, I'm humble enough to know not everyone's gonna read long letters uh, from bishops either. Uh, so the podcast gives me a chance to speak to the faithful, I would say more on a personal level, uh, in a way they actually hear my voice. I mean, there's something about uh, seeing something written and someone actually hearing your voice and understand and, and mean what I'm saying. Um, so I, I think a lot more depth, a lot more context and understanding uh, can be provided in, in these different ways of, of uh, communicating. I think the favorite part for me about the, uh, about the uh, podcast is the, uh, the ability to um, answer questions from my faithful. So part of the podcast is uh, questions that, that we get that um, I really do not want to script. I want to answer the questions as they come in from the faithful. And it, it lets me know what's on people's mind. What, what are they thinking about? What are the real questions out there? Uh, I, so I really, we always encourage on the podcast. If you have any questions, uh, please send them our way. So um, that's one of my favorite ways of communicating these days. Wonderful way of building relationship, Bishop. I have to say, you're reaching out and hearing one's voice. A lot can be taken from the emotive expression of voice, just as we do with micro expressions when we're, when we're visually in front of someone 
you can hear that excitement or you can be able to share in whatever types of uh, celebrations uh, folks may be involved with. Currently, you, you uh, work as the chair for the USCCB Committee on Communications. And again, very important work that the USCCP, you know, carries out. But what, what would you say, uh, you know, what makes work in, in all types of media engagement between a bishop and diocese worthwhile? As you know, Bishop, there are some folks that are very much, very much in the, in the digital world. Right. And so being able to reach out to them in that manner uh, is very important. I remember a time when, for me, writing letters uh, and reading letters, uh, especially that I have uh, in, in, in possession from my grandfather, letters that he wrote to my mother when my mom was uh, uh, still a student in college, and just the way the penmanship <laughs> uh, communicated a lot, but the words were even more so. And now we are in a digital age and such. What, what, is, what is the importance of the work that this committee does? Yeah, and then, you know, first of all, as chair of the uh, USCCB uh, Committee on Communications, you know, maybe just for your listeners, uh, just as an FYI, um, that doesn't mean I speak for all the bishops. Uh, each bishop is his own communications uh, person in his own diocese with his team around him. But there are certain common themes or common approaches that we do take, and the committee at the United States uh, Conference of Catholic Bishops helps to coordinate uh, those responses and, and get the word out, and, and to get the, the word and the messages of different bishops out in creative ways. So that's the exciting uh, part of that. Um, and I think, you know, one of the greatest challenges of any organization or, or person who uh, wishes to share an important message these days is that, you uh, media environments are cluttered, right? Uh, if you open Facebook and look at your feed, it looks totally different in, in 15 minutes. Uh, you, you can't sometimes find what you just saw because it's been replaced by newer content. So, but this doesn't mean that dioceses cannot or should not be in those spaces. I, I think the church needs to be in those spaces. Uh, we need to reinvest so that our, our content can pierce through the clutter and get noticed. You know, we have a beautiful message to share. Uh, we have the truth. We have so many things as a church that uh, we don't say in a boasting way, but we let people know how we're serving, how the church is present to those in the most need. But if, if we don't, you know, get engaged, and uh, then our voices are just going to be just going to be dismissed. No one's going even to see it. So how you how you engage in the various types of media, I, I, as I said earlier, is a personal one. Um, I've chosen Twitter and podcasts as my preferred platforms, uh, they work for me and I feel comfortable maintaining them. Uh, but that may not be the fit for every other bishop. So each bishop has to decide what works for him. And I, I always say, um, focus on those platforms that work for you. Uh, I, I, I think the key is consistency. Uh, it's better to do one thing or two things really well rather than doing multiple things uh, and trying to get them all in and being inconsistent when you use them. So for example, using my Twitter account, I just limit it. Uh, you know, I don't tweet where I'm going for lunch or dinner or anything like that. I just do a gospel reflection and I try to post it every morning, every day at the same time. And then people at least know to expect it. Um, I like video messages, for example. Um, I think again, people hear your voice, uh, they, they see your face. But uh, just like the Lord himself, uh, he didn't teach in one way. Maybe he used parables. Maybe he used uh, other, other means of teaching. We have to be willing uh, to do the same 
it's going to vary from one bishop to another. At this time, I would like to introduce and bring in Lauren Sommer, who is also on our secretariat. Uh, I call her Young Church Today, and she helps in terms of what we need to do to communicate and to reach out. Definitely anything and everything digital, she's my go-to. Lauren? Bernie, thanks so much. Uh, that's such a big vote of confidence. Hopefully I live up to that. Um, Bishop Burbage, it's really special to have you on as I am uh, a resident of the Diocese of Arlington, so it's always nice to see you face-to-face. Um, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about uh, what our secretariat does with child and youth protection. So obviously a, bit, a large part of our portfolio is raising awareness of the church's efforts in child and youth protection. For example, every diocese having a victim assistance and safe environment coordinator. What ways have you found most effective in communicating these child and youth protection efforts in your diocese and then the faithful at large and even the general public as we've been saying? Yes. First of all, I want to thank you, Deacon Bernie, Lauren, and your your team there uh, for all that you do to assist bishops in this very important ministry. We're very grateful to you. And um, Lauren, you you are uh, you and your peers are uh, great contributors uh, to the work of this ministry, to to the work of the church. You're your leaders, you know, we're not waiting for you to come and help us in the future. Uh, you're leaders now, and uh, I'm blessed in my own diocese. I'm surrounded by uh, a very uh, young, uh, creative team, and also people with more experience. And I think that that vision of, of coming together and different perspectives is, is healthy, and it keeps it very dynamic. Uh, your work in getting that message out and, and what the church is doing is, is very important. And again, I think we have to be content in using um, different different ways of, of getting that message out. Uh, we certainly need to, we, we must mention these realities uh, each time we issue statements and each time we promote our work through social media, video statements, press releases, and on our websites when we're talking about this issue. What is it that we have done as a church? What is it we're doing now? And most importantly, we always say this too, right? What must we continue to do? Um, and I, I think we can't get tired of, of, of mentioning um, some really basic realities of how what the church has done and continues to do. Sometimes we think because we've told people once about, you know, the, the, the charter or the, or, or the norms for the protection of children that everyone understands and, and they don't. Even to this very day, when I say to people in the diocese, whether in video, whether in podcasts, uh, whatever form, when I say, do you know, since 2002, uh, once a report is received, it goes immediately uh, to, to, the, uh, to the officials, to the police. They, it does, some people say, we didn't know that. Now we've been saying that for how many years, but we can't get tired of saying it, people don't know. Do you know there is zero tolerance uh, of someone who, who is, there, there's no placement. Really, when was that decided? So I think we have to stay motivated as if we're saying it for the first time, uh, because for some people, it is the first time. I think a, a great help to us is our liaisons. Uh, I really, I, I enthusiastically, as strongly as possible, ask every one of my pastors to have a liaison uh, for our youth and child pr protection programs. 
because you know sometimes pastors get overwhelmed with the amount of materials that they're sent to so we include the liaison and the liaison helps the pastor saying hey listen we can get this in the bulletin we can do this on your podcast or we can you know do us an interview or, or we can have a conference or whatever uh they they get that help that creative approach and so that voice is is important and i say this humbly the the commitment of a bishop uh to, to your work uh, that you help us with so diligently is, is irreplaceable. Uh, when a bishop cares, uh, he's invested in, in this work. Uh, he's constantly communing his objectives clearly to his faithful, to his brother priests and deacons. Um, and in that way, I think people will help uh, to respond, to do everything we can each and every day with God's grace uh, to protect uh, our, our children and all people. Thank you, Bishop. You know, you talk a lot about uh, the roles that we all have and that we play and, and clearly communicating and communi communi communicating clearly and often. I don't think you can do that enough. Right. Uh, just to let folks know exactly what is the state of, of, the, of the church, what is the lay of the land, uh, what are the resources that are out there for folks that may be hurting or, or may be finding themselves in a situation the fact that there is someone in place, as you mentioned, you know, every diocese in the United States has a victim assistance coordinator, right. has a safe environment coordinator. And as you know, not very many people know that. Uh, but it becomes difficult if they don't know how to reach folks or if they don't have that number. And so the role that we have is very important in making sure we are lighting that light <laughs> and not hiding it under the bushel basket as, you know, bring in scripture or such. Uh, and we're letting the, everyone, you know, see. Clearly, the charter points out being open and transparent clearly with the work that we're doing, the policies that we have, uh, the press releases that you talk about uh, in, in an official way. And again, like you you are doing and, and modeling uh, podcasting and tweeting and other ways, forms of communication. Um, what would you say the church has done well since our, since our, our, our uh, journey continues to evolve with the promise to protect and to heal? Well, I think you mentioned uh, a few of them, right? It, uh, just now, uh, Deacon, um, I think transparency. I think we have certainly learned the importance of transparency while always maintaining the uh, confidentiality of victims and survivors. Honesty. Uh, it's always better for the faithful to hear the bad news from their bishop first uh, rather than the news media. And I think bishops understand that more clearly. And, and vigilance, uh, vigilance. Uh, the faithful need to hear us talking about the protection of young people and also our care for victims. I think our, the care that we have extended uh, to victims uh, in, the, in these past years uh, is, is, is something that I think every bishop will say uh, is a, a difficult in, in some ways, uh, emotionally, um, you know, draining so tragically and sadly to hear uh, the stories of victims, but uh, but just to listen is, is so important. And I know myself and my brother bishops have have always ex have extended that invitation. You know, I'm willing to meet with you, uh, even if it's just to listen, or even whatever you need to say, uh, even if you need to express anger or frustration. I'm willing to meet with you, and and to repeat that request. And and my brother bishops and I do. Um, you know, we don't, it's not public, it's not announced, uh, but we do uh, very often in private sessions, 
but sometimes as in groups. Um, and I think that the fact that the bishops are engaged uh, with victims of abuse uh, and being present to them, accompanying them, as Pope Francis would say, uh, is, is very, very uh, important for, for the faithful to know that we, we, truly, uh, we truly do care. And, and every time we have the opportunity to express our profound sorrow uh, for what has occurred, especially if it has occurred uh, by a member of, of the clergy, uh, we, we, we can, we must always, in a heartfelt and sincere way, express uh, that sorrow. So I, I think our, our care of victims, uh, uh, not, not just victims of clergy abuse either, uh, but any victim in, in our diocese is something we're doing well. We're never content. There's nothing we're doing so well that we can stop. Uh, mm -hmm. We must always be improving and your office is helping us in that area. Well, thank you, Bishop. Thank you. And thank you again for the efforts that are being brought forward. Uh, again, your role as leader is very important. Shepherd, very important. Uh, you would lead the way. And like with any good shepherd, the sheep hear his voice, know his voice. Um, again, being being present for your people is, is a very important role. Um, other trends that you could think of, uh, you know, I talked earlier about living in a digital world and what that would entail. And, and I do know, for example, my, my, my children growing up, they were more comfortable texting me than picking up the phone and calling me, you know, for something. And, uh, and prior to that, I remember writing letters, that I, as I mentioned earlier, that the art of writing letters and communicating in that way. Do you, do you see any trends that the, that the church would need to, uh, you know, uh, adapt with the signs of the times, if you will, if, if we're to survive, if we're to, to, to succeed? Right. I think, um, you know, through this very difficult year that we've all experienced, uh, the church had to answer that question in, in some new ways. And I think that one of the uh, realities that we came, came to understand better, uh, I think must be part of our future, is that no matter what the obstacles are, or the crisis we're facing, there is always a way in this day and age uh, to stay connected uh, pastorally and spiritually uh, to our people. And so we saw that in a very beautiful way once uh, we were, began live streaming, uh, live streaming the masses. So people who could not be physically present could at least participate and make spiritual communion. And it wasn't just limited to liturgical uh, celebrations. Uh, groups continue to meet. Uh, we've had meetings with our, 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 uh, our support group for victims uh, over, over Zoom. And it's not the same. We all know that. It's not the same. Nothing replaces being together as brothers and sisters in real time. But it's better. it was better than nothing. And we, we were able at least to, to connect that way. And I know men's groups and women's groups and Bibles groups and RCIAs continue to do that. I, I think it's been beautiful too that like a celebration of sacraments, like marriages and funerals uh, and confirmations uh, are now live streamed because in a diocese like ours, for example, many people, their families don't live here. And so it's very difficult sometimes mm -hmm. for them to be present, but yet they're, they're part of what's taking place. Now we know our greatest challenge is we, we have to get people back to church, right? Uh, uh, the Lord comes to us uh, in his word. He gives us his body and blood. And we must be there to receive it. Uh, but, it but do not, you know, uh, let go of, of some helpful practices that have expanded our reach and, and our audience. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we, we have to acknowledge and admit 
that you know sometimes people aren't really ready um, to step back into a church or maybe to come to a, a, a victim's uh, a support group meeting or something like that. So provide them another way of, of participating. And maybe that just opens the door for that next step to be in, in person and, and connected. So I hope we continue to uh, never stop asking those questions. How can we broaden our base? Uh, how can we be to meet people where they are right now uh, and, and, and not just zero in on one audience uh, or one group, uh, but to say, who are we really trying to reach and what are the different ways to do it? Because it's not going to work the same for everyone. Thank you, Bishop. We really appreciate all that info, especially um, you were talking about embracing means of technology and live streaming. Uh, obviously, as the sole representative of Young Church, as Bernie already alluded to here, um, even the ability to scan a QR code to give right. your collection, it's excellent. We went to Mass last week at uh, the Cathedral of St. Thomas More here in Arlington, and you could just scan it right on the pew, and you had everything you needed right in front of you. So, um, Isn't that great? We, we've done that, too, with the uh, Bishop's uh, Lenten Appeal, mm -hmm. and, you know, because people want to give, but... They're used to giving a, a, a new in different ways now. And uh, I think we're just, church is just catching up to that a little bit. And uh, we've seen a, a great response uh, to our appeal, which helps so many people uh, through like 40 ministries and the work of Catholic charities. But we're receiving the pledges in a, in a completely different way than we have in the past. So uh, I think you're right, Lauren. It shows that, you know, we need to be... Uh, mindful of how people uh, respond to imitations. Definitely in that accessibility. So that's leading into uh, our next question, which I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, so you already mentioned that there are pastoral or pastor liaisons for child and youth protection uh, within the Diocese of Arlington, which is really cool. So I'd like you to maybe expand a little bit more about that program, but then also um, kind of talk about what you see on a parish level that makes uh, an effective way of accepting, protecting, teaching, and embracing God's call for all of us to be healthy and holy. Um, but before you do get to that answer, I wanted to note, as you, Bishop Burbage, are mentioning, and Bernie, um, if anyone who's listening has been a victim of clergy sexual abuse or would like to get in contact with their local victim assistance coordinator, all that information is available on our website on usccb.org, and you can have name, contact number, and uh, email address if you'd like to make a report. So just wanted to give that a uh, little note before you go on, Bishop. Thank you so much. No, thanks for mentioning that, Lauren. And our victims assistance coordinators, if I could also add to your listeners, are just very uh, kind, caring, compassionate people uh, with certain skills and abilities. And uh, I, I echo that invitation uh, that you so beautifully stated to some of our listeners who may benefit from that. When they're when they're ready in God's time, always always in God's time. Uh, yeah, our liaisons uh, just do a tremendous job, as I mentioned earlier, in uh, in getting the word out and helping uh, their pastors, and sometimes to be a first contact, right? Because sometimes a, a, a person's not ready the first contact to be the bishop or to be the pastor. Uh, I'd rather talk to a fellow parishioner. Uh, and we have so many people in those roles who are, are ready there to help. And, and I actually think that's what makes a, a most effective parish, uh, a welcoming parish, a, a welcoming community that, you know, uh, 
and, and, and parishes, uh, there are some parishes that really invest in this, that they see that uh, idea of welcoming as, 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 a, as a ministry, as a, in a sense, in, in the church, that uh, the greeters are there not to tell you all the rules and what to do, what you can't do, but to say, welcome, it's great to have you here. Are you new? Are you visiting? Uh, and then all of a sudden, people walk into a church and say, wow, this is really, this is a community here. And, uh, and to make people uh, part of that, to, to invite them, and then, then to take the next step when it's appropriate to say, hey, have you thought about joining this group or, or this uh, service outreach program? Or, because that's how you really get to know people, you know, not in the, the big gathering, but like in the smaller groups and the ministries that are taking place within the community that are more intimate. So I think a, a parish that, that has people there just welcoming uh, and noticing and, and, and thanking people uh, for being there is so important. And to assure, I think in this day and age, to assure our people that um, we take seriously uh, the protocols that need to be in place, uh, especially as we continue uh, to persevere through this pandemic. Uh, our schools have done it, uh, uh, Catholic schools have done a tremendous job uh, in this area in staying open, safe, vibrant, allowing people to be together. And so have our churches. Uh, so we want our people to feel welcome. We want them to feel safe. Uh, and we want them to know that there are many ways that you can be part of the community um, in intimate settings, not just as part of the larger community. Mm -hmm. We've been talking to Most Reverend Michael Burbage, Bishop of the Diocese of Arlington, on the role of communication, the importance communication has with victim assistance and safe environments. Bishop, I want to say thank you so much for all that you do. Uh, thank you for uh, saying yes to answering to the, the call to uh, ordination to the priesthood and to carrying out that uh, uh, as best you can on a daily basis. Um, as, as you know, as we all know, we have these sacramental vocations that we we are called we are all called to and and you have taken up uh that that uh that call and have done so in in a manner quite exemplary so i, I want to thank you um, you do lead the way um and for those of you as uh, as lauren had mentioned for those of you who are listening if if you happen to know someone or you may have been a victim of abuse you're not alone you don't have to do this by yourself also re realize and recall that uh, if there's anything We've received two gifts that no amount of money can buy, the gift of time and unconditional love. God loves you without measure and, and, and with all, you know, he gave us life for us. And as we quickly approach the, the, uh, the end of our, of our season of Lent, as we're approaching Holy Week, uh, again, just continue to, to keep the faith and, and to uh, hold your head up high. Um, it's not your fault. It's not your fault uh, if, if something has you know bad has happened to you. It's not your fault. There is help out there, and we we want to help. Um, Bishop, any last words? Uh, and and you know if, if if you if you wouldn't mind at the end, we'd like to ask uh, you know for a final blessing, if you would, please. Sure. Thank you again, Lauren and, and Deacon Bernie, for this opportunity to be with you and with your listeners. I I would want to take this opportunity uh, to say uh, uh, with a sincere and, and grieving heart. Um, uh, to those who are listening who are been victims of, of abuse, uh, especially by members of the clergy, uh, deepest apologies for the failures uh, of the church, for the failures of leaders in the church uh, to protect you. Um, it, it, it is a, um, a great 
grieves all of us. Um, and I, I know, uh, I, I just want to express uh, that, that deep apology um, as someone who in this podcast is representing the church. And I know it includes uh, leadership in the church. So heartfelt apologies uh, to all of you. I wanna thank also the victims with uh, whom I've met and, and meet uh, throughout the years. Uh, I never leave a meeting um, as such without being uh, deeply inspired uh, with the heavy cross and the hurt and wounds uh, that came their way through no fault of their own. Uh, there they are uh, still uh, trying their best every day to, to love God. And, uh, and, and the example uh, of perseverance and, and faith is just, I, I never leave without being inspired and without being challenged uh, to increase my own faith uh, and, and trust in God's love uh, for me and for all of us. As you said, Deacon Bernie, he, he never abandons us, uh, especially uh, in the midst of our trials and, and, and our crosses. And uh, so, and I do want to wish all your listeners uh, uh, abundant uh, spiritual gifts uh, and a very holy week, you know, encouraging our listeners uh, to, to really allow that time to make this maybe the best uh, and holiest week you've ever had. I, I think we need it this year after all we've been through. Uh, just to meditate upon what the Lord did for us, that walk to Jerusalem. Uh, there's nothing we're experiencing in our lives right now that he hasn't already experienced. Think about it, right? Physical abuse, suffering, persecution, ridicule, uh, the, uh, people walking away from him. Um, and he took it all on for us. And uh, out of great love, he left nothing behind. And, and in the end, uh, in faithful obedience to his father's will, he proved victorious. And so at Easter, we celebrate the fact that the darkness has been transformed to light and suffering to glory and even death to life. And, and all of us who follow him share in those gifts both now and forever. So I pray those abundant spiritual gifts will be, long, will be, all, be given to all of you, especially during these sacred days. And I ask God uh, to bless you, Deacon Bernie, Lauren, and all of you in your beautiful ministry and your work uh, and all that you do to help our, our brothers and sisters in most need. And I ask God's blessing upon all of your listeners uh, that he will keep us strong in faith and joyful in hope and constant in our love for him and for one another. And that we will be reminded every day of his great love for us, the one who promises to be with us always. I ask all these blessings through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you all. God bless. See you next time. Mm -hmm.